welcome. Um, this Sunday's unique um, in so many ways, um, and this Sunday is what um, we're calling an ordination service, and you will find out what this is all about in a bit. But before um, we get into our content, grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Um, Ephesians chapter 4. Brilliant. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, it's a letter Paul, the apostle, wrote um, to the church um, in Ephesus. Um, and in this section, in verses 11 and 12, this is what he says to the church. He says, and he, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, um, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. This Sunday, um, we're going to be taking a break from our study in the book of Ecclesiastes to do this, to celebrate God's faithfulness to our church family. King's Cross Church of San Diego was established in 2018 and we exist to be a church family on mission with Jesus. And now our purpose and our goal is not something we came up with. Um, we looked at Matthew, at the end of Matthew, and looked at the Great Commission and said, man, like God's calling us to be a church family and to be on mission with him um, in this city. And since our beginnings, um, we've seen God do more than we could have asked or imagined. God has been faithful, and we are confident he will continue to provide our church with everything we need um, to fulfill his mission here in this city. And so what we want to do this Sunday is to acknowledge and celebrate one of the recent ways God has been faithful to King's Cross Church, right? As I said, he's been incredibly faithful um, to us. And um, as if you've been with us from the very beginning or you joined us halfway through, we're like nearly four years now, um, you have seen God do more than we can ask or imagine. He's provided us with um, an incredible, like we are a body. Um, and within this collection of people, there are so many different gifts and we've seen God use many of you to contribute to the mission here um, and so God has been faithful um, and one of the recent ways he has expressed his faithfulness to, to us is by providing godly healthy leadership and this Sunday we're going to be having a look at that by um, ordaining and installing Dan Boss as pastor, um, elder of King's Cross Church. That's the plan. Um, at the beginning of this year, um, Dan Boss began the road to ordination um, while serving as director of musical worship here at King's Cross Church. 
um, early this year, what we did was we announced our desire for Dan to go through the process of ordination. And what we did was we asked you guys, um, our church family, and we said, let us know of any reasons why um, you think Dan may be disqualified from um, being a candidate for the office of elder and pastor. And thankfully, um, and as expected, none of you had any concerns, and the response was nothing but excitement and support for this. Um, so in April, um, me, along with our advisory team, we began the process of ordaining Dan. The process included Dan filling out a lengthy application form. You remember Dan? That, Dan, that was pretty long, but he did a fantastic job doing that. He also took a spiritual health inventory. Um, he also sought out references. Um, he went through assessments. We went through readings and training, the whole lot. And so the final stage of the process involved Dan and Serena meeting with our advisory team. And during this meeting, what the advisory team did was reviewed the process. They asked clarifying questions. And thankfully, and by God's grace, we give all the glory to God, they unanimously came to the conclusion that Dan evidences a call to the ministry. And so this morning, we want to finalize and conclude the process. We want to officially install Dan as pastor of King's Cross Church. And some of you are asking, why did we take a whole Sunday service to do this? Shouldn't we have just like included it at the end of a service and just done it like that? That would have been appropriate. But I think the reason why, as we thought about this, the reason why we decided to dedicate our Sunday gathering to this is to ultimately, as a church family, reflect on God's goodness and greatness. You see, this occasion of installing Dan as a pastor is less about Dan and more about God's faithfulness to us as a church family. God has been faithful, and one of the ways he displays his faithfulness to a local church is by providing healthy, godly leadership. I've said this a million times already, but I'm going to keep saying it. Let's not underestimate God's grace right? And God's mercy and God's provision in building the church by providing godly leadership. It's so important. And so, yes, this is an occasion that will absolutely encourage Dan and his family in years to come, but it's also an occasion that will encourage us as a church family. Why? Because it's another reminder of God's faithfulness to us as a church family as we endeavor to be on mission with Jesus in this city. Um, if you remember, if you've read um, the life story of Jesus, you'll remember at one point in his ministry, um, he said to one of his disciples, Peter, he looked at Peter and said in Mark 18, verse 18, if you want a reference, it says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Ever since Jesus spoke these words, he's been fulfilling his promise to build his church. And so this morning, 
may be the culmination of Dan's journey to ordination, but it's ultimately all about God's goodness and Jesus' fulfillment of this exact promise. And so this is a plan for our time. Um, we're going to first hear from Jim Britz. Um, he's going to come and share a message um, for us. And then afterwards, we'll um, bring Dan up to the front and we'll pray for him, um, and etc. And so that's the plan. Right, and so I'm going to call up Jim Brits. Um, Jim is lead pastor of Parkside Church, um, which is located in Oceanside. Um, Jim is an incredible blessing to our church because early on, um, as a church, we ran into some. Um, I don't even know. I don't want to say some some stuff um, that meant that we were kind of homeless <laughs> as a church and didn't have anywhere we to meet. And also we were kind of like an orphan church where we had no kind of mother parent church. And Jim and his church heard about us and he met and he they were just so kind to say, hey, we want to adopt you guys um, and we want to be able to provide the needed leadership for the first few years of your church. And so Jim has been an incredible blessing to us. Um, I love him so much. He loves God and desires to be with God um, in so many ways. And so I'll have him share a little bit about himself. But without further ado, let's put our hands together for Jim Bricks, everyone. <laughs> hey, it is totally an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible um, is, it's found in Luke 17, there's this time where Jesus is walking along uh, to Jerusalem, and he's in between kind of Samaria and Galilee, and he sees these 10 guys that have leprosy, and they stand at a distance, and they say, Jesus, would you have mercy on us? Like, would you heal us? And Jesus says, well, go show yourselves to the priests, which was kind of the modern day, like, go get a COVID check. And so they turn and go, and as they go, they immediately get healed. And it says one of the 10, I picture them right, they're all high-fiving, but, you know, no way. One of the 10 stops, turns around, starts praising God in a loud voice, runs all the way back to Jesus, falls on his knees, and simply says, thank you. Jesus says, hey, there were 10 of you guys. What happened to the other nine? Only this foreigner came back? And Jesus looks at him and says, well, your faith has made you well. Rise and go. Let me ask a quick question. Of the 10, how many of you think were grateful? I want you to show me with a uh, show of fingers how many were grateful out of the 10, would you say? Ready, set, go. Ah, you guys are a smart church. I think 10 as well, right? Because how could you not be if you were like one of the other nine that didn't turn back and I ran into you on the way to the priest and said, are you grateful today? You would say, heck yeah, I just got healed. Why are you grateful? Because Jesus just did it, right? So what did the one do that the other nine didn't do? He expressed his gratitude, right? He turned gratefulness into expressing gratitude. I just wanted to say this before uh, we dive into what we're talking about today is, um, so to Jesus, there's a big difference between being grateful and expressing gratitude. And the last time I was here was the first week that Elena and Obed were in England. And, and honestly, as I was here, I was going, oh, this is cool. And Dan and Serena and a bunch of others leading. I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I, th I think God's got this. But the story could have so easily been with them leaving, oh, and then a pandemic happens. Oh, and by the way, it's the first couple years of a church and all that, and you can't meet. Couldn't the story easily have been? And King's Cross didn't make it. And I just want to say, as fans and as uh, kind of church parents and as people that pray for you guys all the time, man, we should, at least you get here from someone on the outside looking in, you should celebrate 
Man, we've made it. Oh, man, this is cool. And so can we just practice this, what we just learned in this passage? I'm going to give you four seconds, and I just need you to, like, vocally, okay? Even if this is your first time here. God, thanks that we made it through what we've made it through. God, you're incredible. Just stuff like that. And I, you don't all have to have the same personality as me and say it super loud, but we just need to just vocalize Man, God, to a point of now we're, man, ordaining a, uh, another pastor. That, man, hasn't God been good? So I'll stop talking. Ready? You got five seconds. It should be like, it should sound like a crowded bar at the very least. All right? All right, ready, set, go. All right, God, no way, God, you did it. Unbelievable. All right. Good, good, good. Thank you. You guys maybe have done that every week since, uh, but I've wanted to be a part of one of those. Um, hey, I'm excited, too, to get to celebrate uh, with you guys as a church and with Dan um, and his calling into ministry. Um, and maybe you're asking a little bit of what does that mean? Uh, and I want to just keep it super, super simple. I like to make things simple so that it's memorable and you can like, okay, I get it. Um, for me, like for me, all, all of our kids start with the same letter just to keep it simple. When I go to a Mexican food restaurant, I don't care what it is. I don't look at a rest at the menu. Carne asada burrito, automatically. My favorite sport is running, left, right, repeat. I, I know what to do, right? It's so simple. And so I want to walk through just uh, a really, really simple thing of what, what does this role mean uh, for Dan? And I want to say, and if you have any kind of leadership role in your life, this is true for you as well. You go, I'm not a leader. I don't lead a small group. I don't lead. If you're a parent and you've got kids, if you've got anybody you want to have influence over, hey, this is really, really massive. And it's real simple. And it's just one verse. We're going to look at a couple of verses. But here's the principle that's huge. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. It says, this is Paul speaking. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul's speaking to uh, these leaders in this church of Corinth. And he's not telling them, hey, so don't follow Christ. But he's saying, as you follow Christ, let me help you with it. I'm going to actually give you an example right in front of you, a living, breathing person who's following Jesus, and I want to invite you to follow Jesus. And if you ever need help along the way, hey, as you see me live my life, not perfect, but as I'm trying to authentically follow him, hey, you follow him as, uh, as well. Um, so it makes you ask the question, so what does that mean to follow the example of Christ? And I want to make it as simple as possible and go, I think it's three dimensions, and it's really all about relationships. Um, and uh, we'll walk through these three, and they're found, man, nonstop through the Gospels in the life of Jesus. But you see them, all three of them in one passage, kind of back to back to back. If you have a Bible, we're going to camp out in Luke chapter 6 today. And um, so I'm going to start in verse 12. Just read the first verse. It says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. So the most important relationship for Jesus was his relationship with his heavenly Father. He was always getting away. It said, man, as he would get away, oftentimes in the middle of ministry, we would think, man, what are you doing? You got the crowd. He would run off and be in lonely places. And everything else flowed out of that. Man, it says here, Jesus spent the night praying to God. Have you ever done that before? Um, have you ever had a major decision in your life and you thought, I know what I need to do. I need to spend all night praying. That's what Jesus would do when he had a big decision to make. Jesus had constant contact with the Father. Prayer was a fundamental element to him as, as breathing was. He inhaled the Father's presence. He exhaled his will. Um, this is uh, John 5, 19 to 20. Just at one point, Jesus is speaking and he says, um, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. 
He can only do what he sees the Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. And if, if Jesus couldn't do anything apart from the Father, then how much more is that true for our lives as well? Um, my dad read me years and years ago this book that, uh, I don't know how old it is, but it's a real simple book called My Heart, Christ Home. And it's this idea of this person had come to God and imagine your heart being turned into a, a house. And so he's walking Jesus through all the different parts of the, of the house. And I just want to read one excerpt from it that's had a massive impact in my life. Uh, and this, it's Jesus, then he walks through, you know, the game room, and that's kind of like your hobbies and stuff like that, and walks through the kitchen. And, but then he gets to the living room. And listen to this. It says, we walk next to the living room. This room was rather intimate and comfortable. I liked it. It had a fireplace, overstuffed chairs, a sofa, and quiet atmosphere. He also seemed pleased with it. He said, this is indeed a delightful room. Let us come here often. It's secluded and quiet, and we can fellowship together. Well, naturally, as a young Christian, I was thrilled. I couldn't think of anything I'd rather do than have a few minutes with Christ in intimate companionship. He promised, I will be here early every morning. Meet me here, and we'll start the day together. So morning after morning, I would come downstairs to the living room, and he would take a book of the Bible from the bookcase, and he would open it, and then we would read together. He would tell me of its riches and unfold to me its truths. He would make my heart warm as he revealed his love and his grace he had towards me. These were wonderful hours together. In fact, we called the living room the withdrawing room. It was a period when we'd have our quiet time together. But little by little, under the pressure of many responsibilities, this time began to be shortened. Why? I don't know. But I thought it was just too busy to spend time with Christ. This was not intentional, you understand. It just happened that way. Finally, not only was the time shortened, but I began to miss a day now and then. It was examination time in the university. Then it was some urgent emergency. I would miss it two days in a row and often more. I remember one morning when I was in a hurry, rushing downstairs, eager to be on my way. As I passed the living room, the door was open. Looking in, I saw a fire in the fireplace, and Jesus was sitting there. Suddenly, in dismay, I thought to myself, he was my guest. I invited him into my heart. He has come as Lord of my home, and yet here I am neglecting him. I turned and went in. With a doubt in class glance, I said, blessed master, forgive me. Have you been here all these mornings? Yes, he said. I told you I'd be here every morning to meet with you. Then I was more, even more ashamed. He had been faithful in spite of my faith, faithlessness. And I asked his forgiveness, and he readily forgave me, as he does when we're truly repentant. The trouble with you is this. You've been thinking of the quiet time of the Bible study and prayer time as a factor in your own spiritual progress. But you've forgotten that your hour means something to me also. Remember, I love you. I have redeemed you at great cost. I value your fellowship. Now, he said, do not neglect this hour, if only for my sake. Whatever else may be your desire, remember, I want your fellowship. You know, that, that truth that Christ desires my companionship, that he loves me, wants to be um, with him, wants, uh, um, wants to be with me and waits for me, has done more to transform my quiet time with God than any other single fact. Don't let Christ wait alone in the living room of your heart, but every day find some time when, with your Bible and in prayer, you may be together with him. So this first part, you're going, this doesn't sound much like leadership, but it starts with going, and what does my walk with God look like? And that for Jesus, everything flowed out of his intimacy with Jesus. And it's so easy in ministry, and you know this, whether in full-time ministry or just trying to serve in some way, or ministry sometimes can honestly 
be kind of the mistress to actually a relationship with God. In fact, one of my mentors, he said this. He said, anyone he's ever found had an affair in ministry first had an affair with ministry. Where you go, man, doing stuff for God became more important than actually being with God. There's stats in ministry of pastors that are pretty scary. One, one out of 10 people that start as a pastor actually end up retired that way. And um, So one of the things, the questions that, that uh, man, Dan, one of the reasons we, uh, man, voted unanimously, man, he, he lives this out and also is helping other people live this out. Um, it, but questions that should be asked regularly is, hey, what's God been teaching you in your time with him? And how have you been living it out? Uh, those, are, those are questions around here all the time. And Noah's, hey, as, as uh, and man, Dan is a leader, and, and, and any of you, if you have leadership roles in anything, then that's a question we should be asking regularly. Everything flows out of the relationship with Jesus. What's God been teaching you from his word, from your time with him? And, hey, how are you obeying what he's teaching you? That's the first one. Is the, and really, we'd say this idea of looking up. The, the passage continues on. It says this, verse 13, Luke. It says, when morning came, he called out his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who was named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, uh, Simon, who was also called, uh, also called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He selected these guys to be with him. It probably was, they believe, somewhere between 50 and 100 people that kind of dropped stuff to be with Jesus up to this point. Jesus spends the night praying, okay, Jesus, or okay, God, which of, these, which of these guys do you want me to really pour my life into? And this was a cultural thing. The rabbi would invite his disciples to share every aspect of his life, deeply committed covenantal relationship where the rabbi invited his disciples to live life with him so they could be like him and do what he did. You look at this, Jesus modeled this all over the place. Jesus lived in intentional community. In fact, you look at the gospels, you study over 80% of the stuff Jesus did, he did with these 12 guys. He spent time with them all the time. And then he called others to do the same. He sent people out in groups of two. Uh, the, the smallest indivisible number in the kingdom of God is two. He says we're meant to do community together. In our culture, churches can easily become gatherings of isolated individuals. Man, our culture, right, bigger than the church, loneliness is an epidemic. Man, COVID, man, make that even worse. And it takes boldness to go, hey, I'm going to step in. I'm going to be I'm going to know people and be known and really do life together. And part of a role of a leader is not just first to model what it means to walk with God, but also then it's to model what it looks like to live in community with others and go, man, this is next level. In our church, we call it 2 a.m. friends, friends that you can call at 2 a.m. and know they're not going to be like, what the heck are you calling me about? You know, they just go, we're that kind of, we also call them fridge friends. You can just walk into their house and take something from the fridge and walk out. So we've sometimes with some friends, we just walked into their house, took something, Walked out, and they just knew that was like we were honoring them. <laughs> and he got a free meal. It was cool. Um, <clears throat> so, but so if you're a leader, it's going, hey, I'm going to model that as well as I'm going to help people. So a guy like Dan, as he's in this role and probably done this a bunch already, but if you're in any kind of leadership role, hey, as a leader, your goal is how do I connect people in deep community? So a, a first question that we ask is what's God teaching you from his word and how you're living it out? But then another question is, who, who are you in community with, and what does that look like? Well, what's Dan? What's it mean? He's going to be ordained. Well, one of the things is he's going to be, he's asking you questions, helping you look more and more like Jesus. Out of the overflow of the relationship with the Father is a relationship with those from the church. 
um, and, um, and, and, and helping people then live that out. The first time I ever, I think, experienced that, like personally as a leader, was uh, um, I was a senior in college. I was at Biola University. A lot of you guys might be Point Loma students. It's, it's okay. So, and, uh, um, and I was going to a small little church in Orange County called Saddleback. And I had gone there and volunteered to do youth ministry. And they, they said, we honestly don't have any need for more high school small group leaders. <laughs> like, I didn't know churches could have that. But they said, if you want to come to the high school service and find kids who are not in a group, you can recruit them to be in a group with you. And I'm like a raging extrovert. So I was like, bring it on. So I go. And first guy I met was this kid named Dan. And Dan had major uh, anger issues. And he, in the year that I led his group, punched walls twice and broke his hand. He just was dealing with a lot of stuff going on at home. The next guy I met, and he was in my group, was a, was a guy named Ryan. And Ryan was just kind of the guy that was just socially behind and always kind of said the wrong thing at the wrong time and was like way into to computers and stuff like that. And uh, um, anyway, so he was in my group and he brought his friend Samir, who was Hindu and had no like Jesus background at all. In fact, totally different faith background. Those are my first three guys. Then we got a guy named Wes whose parents were going through divorce that senior year and he was right in the middle of it and it was an ugly divorce. Then I got this guy in my group named Daniel, another Dan, and he... Uh, had a dad who was an alcoholic and he was the oldest of six kids and was kind of the father figure for his family. And he was a senior in high school. And then I got this kid named Heath who was valedictorian at his school and had a full ride to Georgetown. And, uh, and that was the group. And there was me, happy-go-lucky Jim Britz who not dealt with really much in my life at all. And we met in a house in that area um, and they didn't even give us a room because they were out of room. So we met on the stairwell. And each time we would meet, Come together, all these guys, they would never miss. But we'd come together, and we'd start studying the Bible, and then we'd get to a point where you do in groups like, hey, share prayer requests. And it was the worst group on the planet. One guy would share something, and I'd be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this kid's going through this. And instead of people coming alongside him in compassion, another kid would go, you think that's bad? Check this out. And this kid would feel so deflated over here, and he'd share something like, oh, my goodness. And that would go on every week, and I'm like, who cares if they, I mean, if they get God, they don't even like, like each other. And this went on for months. And I'm like, when, the, why are they coming? They've got so much stuff. And, you know, and, um, and through the process, two of the guys at one point said, Ryan and Dan, the first two, said, we want to get baptized. And I was like, wow, no way. And I turned to the rest of the guys, because they had told me in private, but I then later on told them, I said, hey, we got to go support. Dan and Ryan. And I'm like, there's like a 0.1% chance they're going to come, you know, because it was like afternoon. I have to go back to the church again to see them get baptized. And the guy said, okay, we'll come. And Dan and Ryan get, come out of the water. And these other guys that were all just broken and issues, you know, all kinds of stuff. They come around and they just swarm around these guys and give this massive hug to these guys that are soaking wet. All the guys are in tears. And, uh, and just like that, this incredible community was built. And these guys, man, just life transformed. Hey, King's Cross is my church, but honestly, I'm not really in community. Uh, I don't really have any 2 a.m. fridge friends, you know, in, in, in this place. You got to know that's, that's not a, well, I'm too busy. That's a Jesus-following issue. And he's saying, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to be in community. And there's leaders in this church, and Dan's one of them, who's going to be asking you questions like, who are you in community with? And if not, how can I help you get there? Because he wants to say, hey, as I follow Jesus, I want to help you follow Jesus as well. So with Jesus, man, first one is just looking up, right? And going, man, 
spending time with him. Everything overflows out of that. And it overflows into community. I love the community that's happening here. Jesus wants it to go even deeper. But then listen to what happens next. This is verses 17 through 19. It says, so then Jesus went down with them and stood on a level place and a large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So he selected these guys, these 12 guys to be with him um, but then, but then the next thing is he's now proclaiming the good news alongside with these guys uh, to all these people that came to hear from Jesus. And he's preaching this new covenant of God of, of, uh, of building the kingdom in, in that place. And, and man, people's lives were being changed. He claimed the authority that was given to him by his father and divine power was flowing out of him to heal brokenness and rescue those trapped in captivity. And notice he didn't have power because he was Jesus. He had power because he just spent time with the Father, which is really good news. Because if you're not Jesus, then you can't do that. But if you spend time with the Father, he goes, I will then flow through you to do things you never thought possible. And so this third one flows out of the first two, right? As I'm spending time with the Father, as I'm in community with others, God says, now I want to overflow that into a world that's in deep need of good news, that needs hope like crazy, and you've got it. Um, the religious leaders of the day who should have known better would say, Hey, why is that Jesus eating with sinners? And Jesus would respond with stuff like, well, like the sick, don't they need a doctor? Think like that. Like I'm helping these guys that are, that, that are hurting. <clears throat> and he invited his disciples to join him in the mission, to reach out to those who didn't know Christ and to make disciples. So what he was doing in them, he was saying, I want to now empower you to do that with others. In fact, that's the first thing he told them before even he selected these specific 12 is he invited them just to be in the bigger group. He said to these guys, a couple of them, he said, come and follow me. I'm inviting you. Be with me. And I will make you. Saying, you're not going to stay the same if you're with me. Something's going to change about you. I will make you a fisherman. Which, at that point, they would have thought, what the heck does that even mean? Like, hunger games? Like, we're going to go fish for people? What the heck, you know? Uh, but, but he was saying, hey, if you, if you hang with me, what will happen is I'm going to give you a heart to care for people that don't know me. And then that's what they did every day. They woke up, went and talked to more people who didn't know God and, and joined in that. And, and after a couple months of doing that, he said, let's try it on your own. And he sent them out now in groups of two and did it on their own. Come back. How'd it go? Great. Let's do it some more. That's what they did for three and a half years. They went around and they had conversations and talking to people and, and sharing. Till the very end, Jesus said, he really could have just said, what do you think is going to come out of my mouth? Then said, let me just make it abundantly clear. Therefore, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them um, to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the ends of the age. Hey, what we've done the last couple years, that's what you're going to do for the rest of your lives. And I'm going to keep on being with you. Um, so this idea of following equals fishing. But somewhere along the way in the, in the church, we've separated the two, where the average person has zero conversations. Uh, with, with people that don't know God in an average year. It's so low, it rounds down to zero. And Jesus is going, if, if you're not doing that, it's not a, well, it's just not my personality issue. It's a following Jesus issue. And there's some course correction in your life because he says, this is what I've made you to be 
as a disciple. And so if you're a leader in a church, and for Dan, man, it's this idea of going, hey, as, as, as he and as, as Obed and others, as they go, okay, we intentionally place ourselves in the lives of people that don't know God and model it. Um, he says, now, now you do the same. And um, we're going to do everything we can to help you and empower you and mobilize you to be able to live out this way what it means to be a follower of Christ. And here's just a temptation. You know this. The longer you're a Christian, and if you're in ministry even more, it's so easy to surround yourself completely only with people that believe the same thing with you. And when you do that and you become a bubble, and if you're in a Christian college, I know that feeling. It's really easy to surround yourself with only people that know God, and you're missing one of the massive things of what it means to be a Jesus follower. Um, so here's some questions that, that are asked. As If you're a leader, what does it mean that Dan's like this pastor? Here's questions he's asking. Who are you reaching out to? Who are people in your life that you're intentionally getting to know so that you can help them have a relationship with Jesus? Um, in our lives, here's what it looks like in our, in our family. Uh, we, our whole church, we're actually not, we meet Sunday nights. We're like, we're not going to compete with Halloween. We're not saying Satan wins. We just said instead, uh, man, this is a day where we feel like we should be out in the community. I love that. That's the same thing here, right? Is go, man, let's be where people are at. And, uh, and so our whole church, and we're doing this this afternoon, is uh, we baked, well, we did caramel apples for our whole church, mostly doing cookies. We said, before the whole Halloween thing takes place, go knock on all the doors around you, bring them something and say, hey, today people are going to ask you for stuff. We want to do the opposite. We brought you something. And then be ready for some kind of, you know, what does God want to do? And, and we train people to think, hey, start with casual conversations. How's it going? And then intentionally move that to meaningful conversations. How do you do that? You just ask the question, why? You know, you ask, well, hey, what are you up to? Hey, what, what do you like to do? Great. Hey, why do you like to do that? And people share the meaning behind that, and it becomes meaningful really quickly. And then you intentionally drip God into that and move from casual to meaningful to spiritual conversations. And then from spiritual to discovery of like, hey, now how can you help them discover truth about God? And it was just saying it's that simple. And God says that's what he wants to invite us into. So there's, what does it mean to go follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? The simplest way, so you guys can remember this and go, what does this mean is I got these leaders in my life or I'm a leader and I want to pass this on to others. Is first modeling, hey, I've got a relationship with God the Father and I spend time with him every day. And you miss a day, it's not like God's raining down wrath, but he's going, he misses you. He's not up there with an attendance chart going, you missed it. He's going, you stood me up. I really love spending time with you. It costs a lot for me to have this relationship with you. Your sins be forgiven. Uh, so it's modeling that. And then it's this idea of going modeling community. Christianity was never meant to be an individual experience. It's far beyond. This is awesome what we have here. If this is your church experience, you got to know that the leaders in this church's goal is that this is the starting point. So much more. You know, some of the biggest things God wants to say to you in your life, he's actually going to say through other people. And some of the biggest things that God wants to say to other people, he's actually going to say through you if you'll allow him to. And then third, uh, God wants you so up and then in towards the church and then out towards people that don't know God. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that don't have a relationship with God within a couple minutes of where we are right now. And God deeply cares for them like you care if you have kids for your kids or your closest friends. He's going, I've strategically placed you where you're at for that. And this church is about helping you follow Jesus uh, in that way as well. And um, I'm excited. I think we're going to, I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to have a bunch of us come up here with Dan. We get to affirm, man, this is, that's, that's Dan. He's living this out. And um, man, and it's about empowering other people to do this as well. Let's, let's pray.
So God, I just, uh, man, I just, first of all, so insanely grateful. Uh, I don't take for granted that this church is still going and not just going, it's rocking. God, you've been so faithful amidst even the difficulties that, uh, God, your goodness is just seen just in that we're meeting right now. And then, God, that we get to celebrate uh, Dan and, and ordained as a pastor and elder, and he's been a leader in this church for a long time, but God, how, what an incredible celebration. You're so honored by that. And, um, and God, I pray you'd continue to use him and other leaders in this church and raise up more leaders in this church that simply help people follow Jesus, have a close relationship with the Father, incredible community and intimacy with other Christians, and a heart for those that don't know you. And I thank you. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jim. Fantastic. Uh, what a needed reminder. Um, it's simple, um, and we constantly need to hear um, over and over again um, what it looks like and what it means to be followers of Jesus. Um, uh, in Acts 13, um, 1 to 3, um, reads, now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menean, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord, the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And so we this morning want to do something similar. We want to ordain or set apart um, Dan Boss for the work of ministry. And so Dan, if you could make your way over to the front, that would be lovely. brilliant. And so what I'm going to do now um, is read a couple of questions. Um, and Dan, just there was a reminder, in accepting this call, um, this is a reminder of what you're committing to and what you are promising um, to do in this church. And so if these um, things are true, um, just say I will or I do, however you want to do it. Dan, do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testament as originally given to the inerrant word of God and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the doctrine of this church as containing the essentials taught in the Holy Scriptures? Do you promise um, humble submission to your brothers in the Lord? Um, have you been induced, as far as you know, your own heart to seek the office of a gospel minister from love for the Lord and a desire to promote his glory and the gospel? And Dan, do you promise to be cheerfully faithful to the truths of the gospel, whatever opposition you may face on that account? Do you promise to be faithful in your pastoral responsibilities 
personal and public, and by God's grace to adorn your profession of the gospel by an, ex an exemplary life. And lastly, are you willing now to be ordained to the gospel ministry, trusting in the Lord for his gracious strength? Brilliant. Now to the members of King's Cross Church. Do you, members of King's Cross Church, declare your readiness to receive Dan Boss as a minister of the gospel in your midst? Do you promise to receive the word of God from his mouth with meekness and with love? Do you promise to receive and honor his pastoral exertions on your behalf? And do you, lastly, do you promise to pray for him and support him for the advancement of the gospel and his comfort among you. Brilliant. At this moment, I'd like to invite up the advisory team and some of our leaders here. Brilliant. And I'm going to ask Mike um, to lead us. Good. Thank you, Pastor Obed. And in addition, uh, Dan, to your spiritual family that's here, do you have any relatives here? I do. Uh, would, it be, would it be okay if we invite them to stand with us? Yeah, we do. Would you all come stand with us here? Family of Dan, thank you. And Serena, how about you? Do you have family here? Could we invite you all? Could you all come and stand with us as well? This is not only a spiritual family, but it's a physical family event. We want you all to be a part of this as well. So please come join us. Okay. And I'm going to look it over here because I'm going to lay my Bible down. And I have no wisdom in my own strength, but I believe God's word is the wisest thing we could do to pray over Dan at this point. So I've written out a few scriptures that I'm going to use as a prayer. And for you, because I think God is much more wise in this, too. Now, would you all close enough around uh, Dan and Serena, just get, lay your hands on them. Pastor Obed, would you join in laying your hands on them? This has always been a traditional since the beginning of the Christian church. The laying on of hands is a symbolized support. And so they're up here representing you. Your hands are being laid on them as well, too. So let's pray together. This is the Apostle Paul's admonition and prayer for his young Titus, his son in the faith. And I want to, you to hear again his words. This is a prayer for Dan. And this is in the message, which is a very contemporary uh, version of Scripture from Titus chapter 2. Dan, your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine. Guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, wisdom into healthy faith, love, endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children. Dan, be virtuous and pure. Keep a good house. We don't want anyone looking down on God's message because of the behavior of people that you're leading. Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives, but mostly show them all this by doing it yourself, incorruptible in your teaching. 
your word solid and sane. Then anyone who is dead set against us when he finds nothing weird or misguided might eventually come around. Verse 12 says, we're being, we're being shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honoring life. This new life is starting right now. And it's whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Savior Jesus Christ appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic and goodness. Tell them all this, Dan. Build up their courage and discipline them if they get out of line. You're in charge. Don't let anyone put you down. And then a few verses from chapter 3 in Titus. Remind the people to respect the government and be law-abiding, always ready to lend a helping hand. No insults, no fights. God's people should be big-hearted and courteous. It wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior, stepped in, he saved us from all that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. He gave us a good bath, and we came out of it new people, washed inside and out by his spirit. Our Savior Jesus poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. You can count on this. Dan, we thank God for you. We set an expectation on you as your ordaining church. We hold you to step into your leadership role as a minister, as a husband, as a father, knowing you're just a man like the rest of us, but now being set apart to be an example of a faithful minister of God. Holy Spirit of God, come and set your fresh anointing on Dan, a fresh touch of God. Imbue him with your power to teach and preach. Remind him to always seek you first. In season, when he's got the energy to do it, and even out of season, when he's tired. So God, we need your extraordinary power to accomplish your work, and are confident you'll do it. So we present to you our brother as a minister that you've called, and his wife Serena and their family, for this special, special pathway for their life and we just want to say thank you thank you God for letting us be a part at this moment which will reach all the way to eternity and will rejoice then as well in Jesus name now would you all look up here would you all stretch out your hand toward Dan and Serena and say amen say it louder amen amen, amen. okay we're with you thank you God bless you